For any of it true? Wouldn't you think so? What this world, what even the Christian world has done to Christmas is its really disheartening, if there's a word for it. What we've done to Jesus, what we've, what we've made him even in this Christmas season, we like to blame it on the world because the world really doesn't know. Listen, we can't blame it on the world because the world doesn't know. So it's, it's up to us to make Christmas what God meant for Christmas to be. It is about the baby born in the manger, but it doesn't stay there. Of course, we all know that. And you all understand the reason for Christmas. We don't have to go around saying Jesus is the reason for the season. But sometimes we have to be reminded of what he truly came here to do. What he came to do for you and what he came to do for me. What he came to do in your heart, in my heart. And we talk about this joy. We've been talking about joy for the last two weeks. This, uh, today is about joy. Next, next Saturday night will be about joy. It's about the joy of the Lord is our strength. It, it, he wants us to come into the fullness of his joy and not our joy, but his joy given to us. He says that in, the, in his presence is fullness of joy. And we've come into his presence this morning. And a lot of people go, well, we didn't have prayer time. We didn't have the ministry time at the altar. We usually open the altar. Listen, I believe that today that God is going to minister to many, many people at the end of this service, at the end of this word. This word God gave, gave me, I was, I was, I was uh, called Mary Lou a Friday. I'm, I'm in my office, and, it's, and I said, man, I am so excited to bring the word today because God has just given me revelation. And you know, it's not really new revelation. It's just revelation for this body for, for today, for this season, for this Christmas season. So I pray that this morning you receive the word of God. Lord, I just bind up any religious spirit in here today. I bind up any uh, spirit of uh, antichrist spirit in here today. I bind up any doubt and unbelief in this place today. Father, we lose, we lose faith in this room today. We lose, we lose belief today. Father, we lose a renewed strength today in the people you're, in, in your people in this place. We, re, we release joy in this place today. Father, that signs and wonders and miracles are a part of your life. And they should be a part of our life because we are in you and you are in us. And we work together. And there should be joy. Listen, church, there should be joy in this journey. And, you know, even from, from when Tammy spoke and when, and when Jimmy and Martha spoke and Ed and Latonia, everybody was talking pretty much about the same things. It's the way God works these things out. Even though we give them a subject, so we're talking about the joy of giving, the joy of communion, the joy of Advent. We talk about these things. But listen, God is, is bringing something together this morning. I hope that you're excited about the Word of God this morning. I hope you're excited to be in his presence this morning because there is joy in this journey. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about three journeys. I have a, I know y'all are going to start laughing. I got a three point sermon today. Not five, 10, 12, 14, you know, it's just three points, but there's, we are, there's, it's about the journey or the joy in the journey. So there are three journeys I want to talk about today. I want to talk about your journey that you're on today. I want to talk about Jesus' journey that he embarked upon, and I want to talk about the journey for us to walking together, you and me and Jesus. Amen? So we're going to talk about three, three journeys today, and they're all found in just the first uh, couple of verses of Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. 
You know, Hebrews is, uh, we're not sure about who the writer is. Many people think it was Paul, some say Apollo, some say another writer. I personally believe that Paul wrote it, but it doesn't matter because God actually wrote it. So that's the, that's the big thing, that the Holy Spirit wrote the book of Hebrews. So when we, get, when we look at the book of Hebrews, when I, when I speak about the writer, we just we don't know. Let's just say God wrote the book. Is that okay with y'all? And, and, and when you read through it, he talks a lot about the new covenant. Man, he was caught up in this new covenant, uh, the covenant of grace, where they had been in the covenant of the law and they'd been in the covenant of, of doing things, the works and going to the priest and all that. And then Jesus came and became the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb. And he died for our sins and the sacrifice was made. And we're under this law of grace, the law of liberty. Amen? Aren't you glad we're under that law this morning? But he goes on, as you read through, it's also a book about great faith. And when you get to chapter 11, we like to call it, and many people label this many years ago, and I think it's a great label. It's called the Hall of Faith. Not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. So if you, have, if you want to flip back and look at chapter 11, you can do that or read it later on. But what, uh, we have to set the table for 12 by going back to 11. And, of course, you set the table by going back to Genesis if you really want to get the table set right. But in, in Hebrews 11, he's talking about these great people of faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And he Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and of great faith. He says, by faith they did this. But then he has some nameless people. Do y'all remember that? A lot of people go, the by faith, man, they, they did this. They, were, they, they, they accomplished that. He built an ark. He, the sea, he walked through the, the sea. All these great miracles were done. And then by faith, all these things, they saw these things happen. But then he says, also by faith, there were these nameless ones that were thrown into the lion's den that were sawn in two. They didn't see the promise on this side. They didn't see the promise. See, none of the people in Hebrews chapter 11 saw the promise. This side, you understand that? You, you know the promise, they're waiting for Messiah, they didn't see the promise. And that's when we talk about Advent, we're talking about the promise. A lot of people think, well, Advent is about the baby Jesus. Well, for them, it was more, the Advent was for those Old Testament patriarchs. But for us, the Advent is the second coming of Christ. That's what we're looking for. We, are, we look back at the manger. We look back at this time that we celebrate called Christmas. But they were looking forward to the birth of the Messiah. We look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So it says, he sets the table and says, all these people did all these things. They endured all these tortures and deaths, yet they remained faithful. And then he goes to chapter 12, verse 1. You remember, the Bible's not wasn't separated into chapters. Man did that. So it's a continual dialogue. And, and the writer says, as for us, he's talking about the, the believers of his time. He was talking about the New Testament church. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. If you go, whoa, I didn't hear it. I never heard it that way. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So who's he talking about? He's talking about the people of chapter 11. He's talking about these great witnesses that encircle us like clouds. And there's a lot of people go, I don't understand that. What does that mean? Are they watching us? Are they looking at us? I personally don't believe that they're all at the, at the windows of heaven looking down and seeing, well, how's Lorenzo doing and how's Michelle doing? I don't think that's what they're doing. Uh, I think the angels are watching us. 
I don't think your dead relatives are watching us from heaven because if there's joy in heaven, there's no sorrow in heaven. If they're looking down on earth, they're going, oh, they're probably not, this is not a joyful thing to look upon on this earth, right? So I believe that, I believe that when he's talking about this circle of witnesses, he's talking about these people that set the table for us, that set the examples for us. And that's the witness. We are witnesses of Christ, the Bible says in, in Acts 1 verse 8. He said, you shall receive power to become my witnesses. We're witnesses of him. And so we can look back and see these people of faith and go, wow, they, could, they did it. And, and they, are, they encourage us. We're encouraged by reading what other people did. Aren't you encouraged when you see what other people of faith did? You're encouraged by your own relatives that have gone to, gone to be with Jesus. And I know for some people this is a difficult time of the year. But I want you to look at it in a different way this morning. That he says, hey, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, you can focus on all the negative. You can go, oh, they're all gone. Listen, if, you're, if your loved ones are gone to heaven, listen, they're in the best place in, in, in anybody could ever be for mankind, for, for eternity. They're in the best place. So they're, they're not looking down on us today. But I believe that there's a standard set by these people of faith. And then he goes on to say, so because we have this, this great example, we have these people that have gone before us. He says, so we must let go of every wound. Say every wound. Every wound. That has pierced us and the sin which we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon's race, marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been marked out, has already been marked out before us. It's a marathon race. It's not a sprint. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's not the 100-yard dash or the 100-meter dash. It is a marathon race. It's not even a 5K run. It's not a, what, what's the next one after that, 10, 20, 26? There, there's all sorts of runs. I don't even know because I don't run, you know? But, but, but there, there, he, says, he says life is like a marathon race. Pace yourselves, church. We've got to pace ourselves. And he says, we have to run this. And if we're going to run this race, there's some things we've got to do to run it with, with joy. So our first thing I want you to see is our journey. Our journey. Say my journey. Everyone in here is on a journey. Did you know that? I know the Lemoyes are on a journey. You're just driving all over the country, right? How many of you know that you're on a journey? Well, pastor, I'm not going anywhere for Christmas. I'm sitting around. Get your baby pictures out and look today. Go home and look at your baby picture and figure out that if you look the same today as you did then. Because you're on a journey. There are many kind of journeys that we're all on. There, we're, we're in physical journeys. Uh, we're in aging journeys. You know, when I, when I saw uh, Leon and, and Tracy, they said, you're 70? I said, yeah, we're 70. That's a long journey. That's seven decades. That's a half a century plus one score, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we're on this journey of life. It's, it's, it's a life, life's journey. And you can either get on board with God on this journey or you can walk it by yourself and, and you can walk it in fear and, and all these things. You can walk it in, in, in sorrow or you can get hold of what God's word says and get hold of God today and your journey can change even today. Amen? Amen. You know, you might, you might think, well, I'm not taking a trip anywhere, but how many of you have taken a trip lately? How did you pack for the trip? Well, pastor, it depends on where I'm going. But all I know is that for my wife, it's got to be 49 and a half pounds in the, in the, in the luggage, right? Because if it's 51, man, there's another 100 bucks, right? So we pack according to the journey that we're on, right? And, and we, if, if, listen, Mary Lou and I, y'all know that we have a grandson in California. He's now six years old. And we, we try to get out there as often as we can. And I'm telling you, if, if the planes weren't, and Mary Lou, she's not, a, she didn't like to fly that much. But guess what? She overcomes her fear. 
especially flying from San Angelo to, to DFW, you know, the little, the little helicopter thing. And, but we're going, we have a destination that's important. So we're like, okay, we'll give a, we'll, we'll endure some of that. You know, Betty is just getting, she's, on, she's back from Africa. The flight was, the flight was like 15, 18, three days. I don't know, it was a long flight. But she knew that there was a destination that she had something over there that she had to get to. And when you would read her text or she would send us videos, they were not sorrowful. They were like, oh, woe is me. I'm on this little cramped airplane. It was like, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to Africa. We're going to go minister to, to all these people over there. We're going to minister to pastors. We're going to minister to churches because there was joy in her journey. See, there should be joy in your journey today, church. Because you know your destination. You know what you're running toward. But if we're going to run this spiritual race, there's some things that the writer of Hebrews says are so important for us to do. And, and this is the part I think we, you've really got to hone in this morning is that you've got to let go of some things if you're going to run this race. You've got to let go of the wounds. Now, you can hold on to the wounds, and you can let everybody know about your wounds. Everybody, you ever know anybody that lets you know all their wounds? How you doing? Well, I tell you. Oh, man. And then they start. And you're like, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't ask how they were doing. I like honesty, but that's just a little too much. <laughs> Got these hemorrhoids and you. Oh, that's enough. <laughs> I just want to tell you everything. Could we set up a private counseling session? There are other, there are other people standing here listening. <laughs> but some people, they glory in their wounds. And so the wounds keep them from enjoying the journey. There's no joy in their journey because if you ever talk to them, everything is yeah, 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 coming out of their mouth. He says we need to let go of those things that so easily, that sin that are so easily ensnares us or entangles us. Anybody ever get entangled, tangled up in some sin? Uh, probably everybody in this room, you've been tangled up in some sin, and, and it's almost, and, and it's like, is there any joy in that church? Is there any joy going back to the vomit? Is there any joy in that? Lapping up some mm, bat vomit is so good. No, it's not good. It's, there's no joy in going back. But somehow, some way, in our, our fleshly minds, sometimes, we, man, that, I sure do miss that, fill in the blank, whatever that is. And then you go back and you fall and you, you slip up or you, you have those thoughts and, and you give in to those thoughts or you give in to your flesh and you get back to that place and all of a sudden you go, man, there's no joy here. Why did I go back here? But sometimes it's a struggle getting back to the joy. So he says, he says very, very clearly, he says, let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we easily fall into, then we can run the marathon race. Do we, we, I know we have some runners in Mario, you're a runner. Liz, you're a runner. What, what kind of races do y'all run? The mud things? Regular races. Five, five and ten? Six, and a half, what? Half marathon. So they have whole marathons? They have fourth, they have three-eighths marathons? All kind of, okay, okay. That's cool. How about those mud ones? You actually get dirty and muddy on purpose. I, I don't get that. We got guys that do the mud. The mud they just run. They, they come out and they're like, hey, look at me. You know, I want to be get a fire hose. And say, yeah, look at you. You're, you're filthy. 
But the reason I ask about runners, most of the people that I know runners are not overweight. <clears throat> Uh-oh, he's meddling now. <laughs> they eat properly. They don't eat certain things before the race. Do you eat a lot of spaghetti before a race? Pasta? I'm the pastor asking about the pasta. You what? The day before, you eat a lot of spaghetti and meat sauce. Yeah. And, but you prepare, right? See, you, you prepare for a race, and if you're going to run a race, you don't just prepare because it's a race. You know why you prepare? Because you, you've got a passion to run it. That's what he's talking about, this passion, this desire. If you're going to run the race for Jesus, he's put a passion and a desire within you to run this race. So if you're going to run this race, he wants you to eat spiritually well. And the best way I can tell you that the best eating plan with Jesus is his word. It's the bread of life. So if you want to run this race with joy, but you're not going to eat properly, and you're not going to get into the Word. He said, listen, he said to eat toward Jeremiah. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I read that scripture where Jeremiah said he was eating the Word. He's getting ready for the race. We've got a race to run, church. And I, I'm not, I can talk spiritual all day, but we've got to be physically ready for this race, too. Uh -oh. Just move it on. Move it on, Pastor. God wants us to run this race and run it with joy. Look at, the, look at what he says in the second verse there. We look away from the natural realm, and we focus our attention and expectation onto who? Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. If we're going to run this joy of this, this, this journey and run it with joy, Listen, we have to look away from the natural realm. And I'm telling you, that, that reads easy, doesn't it? Just look away, look away, look away from your flesh, right? But is it easy to do, to look away from your natural realm? Look away from the natural realm. It's all around us, isn't it? But he says here, if you're going to run this race, you've got to get your eyes off of the things of the world and get your eyes upon Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. We focus our attention, our expectation onto who? Jesus Christ. Because he is the one who birthed faith in us. Say, he birthed faith in me. He and he leads us towards faith's perfect, perfection or maturity in, in, in our growth as, Christian, uh, as Christians. He leads us into this place of maturity. He always wants us to run the race and keep going forward, not backwards. You know, I'm thinking about those great cloud of witnesses. And what the word said about them and how it applies to us to want to run this race and run it with gusto. Run it with excellence, no matter what the prize. See, we, we think uh, if, if I run it a certain way, Jesus is going to give me a certain prize. And or we'll, we'll teach a little bit about prosperity. We'll teach about healing and all these things. And if I do it a certain way, God's going to, he's going to give me a certain prize. Listen, if we can just forget about those things and just run them for Jesus. I'm just doing it for you, Jesus. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going, I'm going for everything you've got for me. And it'll include prosperity, it'll include healing, it'll include blessings. All those things will be a part of the package. But if we would just go after Jesus, because he's the one who birthed faith in us in the first place. Now, as a believer, you can run the race and you can run it with all the baggage. Right? Will he let you carry the wounds? Will he let you uh, do your thing in sin? Will he let you? He won't stop you because he gave you free will, will he? Here, here's the thing is. 
you're still going to cross the finish line. Some people don't like that. Well, I think I've got to be perfect to, to cross the finish line. Listen, your perfection will never get you across the finish line. Your trying will never get you across the finish line. Again, he goes back to it's who you're putting first in your life, who you're seeking first in your life. I love the scripture in Philippians 1.6, but being confident of this very thing that he, who's he here? It's Jesus, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Being confident. Are you confident of this? He, Jesus, who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it. That's implied there. He will complete it until he comes back. See, you've got to run this race, and you've got to be linked up with the right person to run this race, and that person is Jesus Christ. If you're going to win this race, if you're going to run it with gusto, if you're going to, if you're going to finish the race at all, you've got to be linked up with Jesus Christ. That's called salvation. And you can limp across the finish line. Remember the video I showed about the guy? That was, he, had the, he pulled the hamstring, and he fell down towards hamstring, and, and his daddy comes out of the stands and grabs him and picks him up, starts walking alongside him and carries him almost to the finish line and lets him go over. I don't want to finish my race like that. Do you? See, a lot of Christians, are gonna, they're going to cross the finish line. So a lot of them have already crossed the finish line, but they didn't cross it with joy. They just barely got in. And no, I know people go, oh, if I just barely get in, if I can just get a little shack, you know, out on the outskirts of heaven, I'll be okay. Well, I'm not okay with that. Are you okay with that? When he promised us all this incredible heaven, well, I just want to get by. I just want to get in. Listen, that's like the people that want to run a race, but they don't want to train for it. They don't want to eat right, but they want to show up for the race. And I sure hope somebody will get me in a wheelchair and push me across. They can get across the line. Yes, they can. They can get across 10 days after everybody else. But is that how you want to run your race this morning? See, God's called us to want to run the race and run it with fervor, with determination, with passion, not carrying a bunch of crap along with us. Dragging people. Oh, come on. We can make it. No. He wants you to run across that. He's waiting there. He's, you know, you were talking about a great cloud of witness. Our great cloud of our best witness is Jesus Christ. He's our best cheerleader. He is. He, he's at the right hand of the Father right now saying, come on, Harold, you can do it. Come on, Harold, keep preaching it. Harold, don't, don't miss the word. Don't, don't, don't water down my gospel, Harold. Keep preaching it. They're getting it. They're getting it. Say, I'm getting it. So say, I want to run my race with joy. I want to finish my race well. Here's, here's the thing. I want to leave a legacy for my kids. I might not be a hero of faith like in Hebrews chapter 11. Somebody, they might not cut my head off or anything like that. I might not have to cross on the, uh, the Concho River on dry ground. I might not have to do any of that, but you probably could some places. But I want to leave my children. I, I want I want to. Like that T-shirt I read, don't live your life so, it's the way you live your life, don't live it in such a way that the preacher has to lie at your funeral. I haven't lied at funerals, but I have stretched some truths. (laughs) That's his humanity. You understand that? That was his humanity. But it says, but for the joy set before him. See, he looked past that. We have to look past some things, church. 
if we're going to walk this walk, if we're going to live this life of joy, if we're going to walk in victory, we have to look past some things. And you might think, well, I'm in the middle of this and my kids are that way and I, my finances are this way. Sometimes you just got to look past some of those things and go, what's the joy that's set before me? What is the joy set before me? Because Jesus had to look past all that to go, oh man, I'm about to die, Father, if there's a way. Hmm, but wait. Not my will, but yours be done. There's a joy set before me. And it's because when I die on that cross, I'm making a way for all mankind to come to the kingdom of God. All mankind, not just a few, everybody. Because he created all of us. He wants us to live with him forever and ever. The joy set before him. Wow. Just so you realize I haven't forgot that it's Christmas time. On Jesus' journey, he had an announcement about it. Angels. They showed up for the shepherds. And we sing this, we sing about this all the time. Do not be afraid. But behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, great joy, great joy, which shall be to all. That was, their ad, that was their message. That was, that was the Noel's, the birth announcement. The baby's coming, and he's got a reason to come, and it's bringing joy to the whole world, joy to the world. You know, Three Dog Night sang about it. They missed it. Joy to the world. He brought joy from the get-go. He said, I'm bringing joy to the world. You going to jump off the joy train today? On the joy journey? His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. A lot of people are like, you know, you got that picture of Jesus on the cross. Did you know when they, when they crucified people then, they had no clothes on? When it talks about humiliation. We try to romanticize the cross. It was a horrible place, church. It's a horrible death, the most excruciating kind of death anybody could ever go through. The spitting, the pulling out of his beard, the piercing of his side, piercing his hands and his feet, the crown of thorns on his head. And saying, Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? And this isn't in the Bible, but maybe his father said, because the joy is set before you, son. The joy is set before you. You can't get through this. My brother-in-law used to sing the song. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and me. For the joy of you and me. And we look at ourselves sometime in the midst of our junk. We can think, how would he want to die for this? You ever think about that? When you're doing the wrong things, thinking the wrong thoughts, and you're walking in sin, or you're, you're carrying your wounds, and you're dragging yourself. And he said, that's my joy. That's my joy. That's a good name to name your kids, Joy. Joey or Joy. <laughs> right? The joy set before them. Look at verse 3. So consider carefully. Oh, man, think about this one. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls 
Anybody? Can I get a witness? Caved in. You didn't, you didn't stand up well. You're like that air mattress. Said, <laughs> working, working, working. Get it blown up. And jump on it and just go down. Cave under last pressures. My daughter did that one time. We had to blow up bed for her. And uh, it was one of those slow leakers. Anybody ever had a slow leaker? She woke up, she said, she felt like she was a taco. And just kind of folded over her. Or burrito, whatever. But we, sometimes we cave under life's pressures, right? We don't mean to. We don't want to, but we do. Some of you are there right now. That's why God put this message on my heart. That's why I wanted to get to the ministry time sooner. Because I felt like this is... I was downstairs yesterday, or Friday. I always go down. I try to go down every Friday and at least walk through the pantry. That's my day to really finalize the sermon. But I like to go down, walk, encourage people, and say hello to people and our awesome team down there. See what's going on. But I always stop and talk to the police officer who has on duty. And it was is Anna. Is it Anna? Yeah, I always want to call her Ann, but it's Anna. And she was there Friday, and I said, what's it like being a police officer this time of year? I said, it's tough, Pastor. You know, the toughest thing they deal with this time of the year is not domestic violence, which is bad. It's suicides. Call after call after call. People that have caved in under life's pressures. And there was nobody there to pick them up. You see, when I said this journey is ours together, we've got to learn and we have to be sensitive to the people around us that are caving and we're so busy with our life and we may, it may look like we've got it all together and we're doing good, but we've got to be sensitive to those around us that leave. they need you to encourage them and lift them up and help them through this time. So they're not another statistic. Marriages at this time, I mean, there's so much pressure on, on marriages, especially in America. How, how, how much money do we have, honey? Because I want to buy a little Joy this. I want to buy a Carolyn this. I want, oh, we got to get these gifts. We need a tree. We need that. But, but honey, we got an electric bill. It ain't going to help us if we got lights on the tree, but if we can't turn them on. People are, they're, they're struggling right now. Inflation, they're struggling with it. Where are, where's the church? Where are you? Where am I in these times when people are struggling? Are we just going on our little merry way? Are we paying attention because we're on this journey together? I believe there are people this morning that have been running the race and they're just ready to get out of the race. I think they're sitting right here right now, some of you. 
You're like, man, I have tried this. I've run this race. I have been doing it. I thought I've been doing the right things. I've been trying to make the right choices. But everything just keeps turning the backwards, the wrong way, Pastor. I don't, I don't think I can keep running this race anymore. And the great cloud of witnesses is you. It's me. Are you being that person? Are you being that person or those persons or that group that says, listen, we can get you through this? See, Jesus is there. We've got a great cloud of witnesses that have set the examples before us, but the rest of us are right here. And he's waiting for us to reach out, church. Quit waiting for somebody else to reach out. Quit saying, I hope, it's, hope the pastor gets over there to the hospital. hope the pastor can go visit with him. Listen, you know, you know married couples that need a phone call from you saying, listen, don't give up on it. We've been there. We know what it's like. Can we come over and pray with you? Because it's going on right now in this church. Don't stop. Don't get out of the race. I know Jesus is there. I know he's the, he's the finish line. He's one, he's the one that's going to do it, but don't get out of the race of life. Don't, and start and figure it out. Listen, church, it is a life of, it's a joyful race. And if there's no joy in the race, you're going to want to quit running. Don't run for the trophy. Run for the joy. Run it because Jesus said, I've set you before me. Consider what he did for you. Consider what he did for you. And that may encourage you this morning. I don't know if I can do this anymore, Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, go back and read what I did for you. Go see what agony and humiliation I endured so you could get through this. Not only did I do that, but I gave you my Holy Spirit to get you through this. You're not alone. Consider the cross this morning. Consider the pain. Consider the rejection. But also consider the extreme great love. Consider his love. You're not alone. Jesus would tell you this today. I am right here. I am with you. I'm not going anywhere. When you cross that finish line, Jesus would say, tell you this morning, when you cross that finish line, he's going to be right there with you. But he wants you to run your race with joy. You're not, a, you're not alone this morning. I want you to just look around you this morning. There are others here that are praying for you, that are cheering you on. You've got loved ones that have gone before you that have set an example for you. Don't give up. You've got a church that prays for you. You've got people setting godly examples for you, so don't give up. I want the ministry team to get ready. I want to finish bringing this back to this season. Joseph. Not the Old Testament Joseph, the New Testament Joseph. He had his journey planned out. I've got me this cute little girl. 
I'm building a house. I'm adding on to the house. I'm getting ready. My daddy's going to tell me when to go get him. We're going to have this incredible life. I, I'm, an, I'm a carpenter by trade, and she's going to help me. We're going to have this wonderful life. We're going to raise happy family kids, and we're just going to be a good family. He had it all mapped out. You ever have anything mapped out? Put it in the GPS. You ever, you ever put something in GPS and go the opposite way just to hear, just to hear her say, at the next light, do a U-turn. At the next light, do a U-turn. At the next light, do a U-turn. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to go east. She said go west, you know. Sometimes that's our flesh. Well, all the time. My wife would say, that's your flesh. <laughs> Here, here's Joseph. He's got, the, he's got this life mapped out for him. And they planned things. I mean, they planned marriages back then. Still doing a lot of cultures. And an angel shows up. He says, Joseph, I got news for you. It ain't going to be exactly like you thought it was going to be. Matter of fact, Joseph, your wife's pregnant right now. Ah, what? Mary? No, not Mary. She wouldn't do that to me. Yeah, she did. But it wasn't the way you think. Holy Spirit did it. You ready for this, Joseph? I don't know. Let me, let me sleep on it. So he sleeps on it, and the angel comes into a, in a dream. He says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he explains to her what, yeah, the angel explains to Joseph what's going to happen. And I don't know why there's no girl angels in the Bible. But a, don't know. Hmm, there's not. And Joseph, being a man of God, I know he knows the word of God. And so the angel quotes him prophetic word in Matthew 1 23 it says behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us God is with you Joseph you are not alone in this and God would tell you this morning again church he's with you you are not alone in whatever journey you're going through however bad it looks you just need God's positioning center to be activated in your life again. That's why he came. God, Emmanuel, he came to be with us. We were the joy set before him so that we could live this life in his presence and fullness of joy. Would you stand this morning?